Welcome back, Literary Slummers, to another episode of Shelf Aware, the podcast where we are reading books outside of our comfort zones. I'm Anna. And I'm Em. This week on Shelf Aware, we're continuing our literary submitted unit on MM or MLM paranormal romance um, with a book called The Demons in the Details by Megan Maslow. Um, Okay, but before we get into that, before we get into (laughs) this particular MM uh, romance, paranormal romance novel, let's talk about the genre, right? It's time we do that. Let's. Okay. So, history of the genre. This is going to be pretty quick because that's not the main thing I want to talk about today here on this podcast. (laughs) History of the genre, (laughs) MM, romance first kind of rose to prominence in the 70s with you guessed it, fan fiction. Uh, specifically, Yay. MM is generally linked to originating in slash fic, Kirk and Spock, all that good stuff. Continued on, it didn't really hit the kind of boom that it has today until the like late 20 aughts, 2010, um, because it is theorized by some of the emergence of e-media. So women were mm-hmm. able to download these onto their Kindle and not have to worry about people seeing their sexy boy books. Um, and so they were able to partake ah. in it more freely. And so we have this boom in the 20, like late 20 aughts um, yeah. where this starts, this becomes sort of prevalent. You know what I just realized? I'm sorry what? to interrupt you. No, go right ahead. You know I just realized I can go to AO3 uh-huh. and download .movie files of any fanfic and just load that onto my Kindle. Yes, yes. So... Uh, still, well, we're going to get in. There's so much to unpack with this, guys. Um, so it, in 20, I believe it's 2010, Rolling Stone included uh, MM romance as like a genre to watch or whatever in kind of mm. their like emerging, like they did an article on emerging genres. Um, so it, it's a big uh, new corner of the romance market, right? And like, it's yes. definitely expanded in the last like decade, decade, decade and a half or so, um, and it, with that we get these sort of subgenres, which obviously like paranormal romance has always been kind of an option with MM romance up until this point. But as we see this boom in the you know two thousands, we also get the boom of these more specific genres such as paranormal romance MM. Yes. All right. So, elephant in the room. Most. MM fiction is read and written by primarily cis het women. Yeah. What's up with that? We got to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to be very super clear here that if I am saying anything that could be considered disparaging toward this genre or the conventions or anything like that, I want to be specific that I am questioning the prevalence of of this genre as like what it says about our attitudes towards women and sexuality as a whole. And mm. not that I am saying people who enjoy this genre or write this genre are doing anything wrong. I do not think that is the case. I want to mm-hmm. be very clear about that because people who read MM and people who write MM get a lot of shit about, Oh, it's internalized misogyny. Oh, it's, uh, you're secretly homophobic because you're writing about these gay characters, but you're not really gay. Like that sort of stuff. Mm. I'm not saying any of that. I want to be super clear about that. (laughs) (laughs) However, that huge caveat aside, I do think it is interesting that cis het women 
really seem to gravitate towards the genre. And obviously mm-hmm. not all cishet women, but the market is generally read by and written by cishet women. There's there's kind of a few different explanations for this, um, both from within the, the, the genre writers and such and from people um, who may be, may be critical of it. Uh, there have been kind of like different explanations for why this is such a popular genre. Kind of on the, I guess I'm going to start with kind of the negative side of, again, this is not what I am saying, but this is sort of no, some yeah, explanation. These are M's hardcore beliefs. I just, no, <laughs> <kidding>. <laughs> some thoughts that some people have expressed about why this is popular among six, cishet women. Like I mentioned, like there's been the suggestion of internalized misogyny, because a lot of women who do like this will state that they like not having to deal with the gender politics of like the um, mm. like power dynamics that are inherent in male female relationships, right? Um, mm-hmm. Which is a super valid point for why to like this. I think that you don't have to worry about like like we're gonna get into this book specifically, but I cannot imagine this book being written with the main character being a woman like the yeah if Poe was a woman mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the power dynamics would be like they're already pretty fucky but like it would be and admittedly like the characters know like, yes, yes, is... yes 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 yeah and I'm not talking about uh, with him and um the, the love interest I'm talking about like the rape threats like oh, imagine yeah, yeah, if yeah, that yeah, yeah, from yeah, yeah. other characters bad characters imagine if that was a woman like I feel like that would be a lot more uncomfortable for a woman reader to read 100% but also, what does that say about how we treat male victims of sexual violence? Not allowed to have feelings. <laughs> right. Like, Men you can't know? be raped. You all know. Just kidding. I don't believe that. 100% do not. <laughs> right. Exactly. But it's like, that's where it gets so complicated, right? Because it's like, yes, there are power dynamics, like social power dynamics that exist between genders because of the fact that we live in a patriarchal society that has existed for hundreds of years. And we are so ingrained in this, right? So mm-hmm. that, like, it is harder for us to read women being victimized than men being victimized because, like, it's triggering for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But And I think you can... T- see it too in this book because like poe kind of like flips it around he's like yeah that is my boyfriend you know like to like mm-hmm. get things out of people like he definitely takes advantage of the fact that this very powerful man wants to force himself on him like it's kind of weird yeah i mean there's there's a lot with this specific book we'll get into <laughs> but so you've got kind of this sort of thing of like on the one side people saying like okay well this is about women not having to read books that deal with that at all right Mm -hmm. Um, But on the other side, you have people saying, right, but then, like, why can't you just write a book where that doesn't exist? Which, I mean, that's kind of fair. I also would question that kind of explanation about power dynamics to ask, why then isn't FF as popular as MM, you know? Yes. Um, Because if what we're worried about is gender dynamics – then it would just be equally as like leveling the playing field would just be as possible if you were just having two women in the lead, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously you might still have to deal with stuff from the outside world, but in the relationship, which is usually the explanation for this preference um, in this case, it would still be same sex. So like, what are we doing? We can write about one woman having sex at a time. That's it. Other After that, they just become harlots. You can't have more than one <laughs> woman. I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay, so we've got that possible explanation for why this genre is a thing, right? Yes. Uh, another explanation that kind of gets tossed around a bit is, and I, I personally, 
this is the one I'm going to say I really dislike this explanation of why the like I find this explanation of why MM is popular to be incredibly problematic but a lot of writers and such will say things like oh well everyone deserves a happy ending love is love and so we should be able to write about these queer relationships in order to like expand the the heteronormativity you know like that's been forced on our throat for so long which yes but again then we have to ask why not ff and Mm -hmm, also mm -hmm. why why is it mainly cishet women writing this and not gay men (laughs) okay so like i that just doesn't fly for me um the answer that I think is the most valid and uh, the most true, and I wish most authors would just kind of stick with this one, is that it's hot and women like it for that reason. <laughs> like, Yeah, that's fair. It's complicated because, of course, it gets into the possibility of it being fetishistic. Mm-hmm. But also, straight men fetishize gay women and fetishize mm-hmm. bisexual women. And that's been a thing for forever. And I don't think that that is inherently wrong. I don't think it's wrong as long as you aren't forcing that onto unwilling participants, right? Yes, yeah. Like, if you like lesbian porn, that's fine. More power to you. Lesbians don't actually do most of the stuff that is... No lesbian has nails that long. But, like, (laughs) it's cool if you like it and are into it, but don't go out to a a gay bar and try to pick up a lesbian right like that's where the line is like as long as we Mm -hmm, can understand mm -hmm. that this is fantasy and like a thing that we are doing because we like the the eroticism that it presents yeah cool that's fine like everybody should be able to get the rocks off with whatever format they want as long as everybody Mm -hmm. who is involved your kink on yes as long as everybody who's involved is a willing adult cool awesome great and I think that that's what this genre is. And I mean, like, you know, there's definitely MM romance that isn't super, like, super spicy, which is also fine and valid. Um, but I think it is important to kind of, like, acknowledge that that is the, the situation, that most people are reading it because they like it and it's hot. Like, we don't... Yes. We don't need to justify it as, like, we're helping those poor queers get happy endings because, like, that's not why you're doing it. And that's okay. Like, just admit that you're horny. It's fine. It's fine. You can you can read your billionaire romances. You can read your mafia romances. And you can read your MM romances. They're all equal. They're all fine. fine. It's all fine. Like, as long as everybody is aware that these are fantasies, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. why are we making this big thing out of it? And I think a lot of the debate around kind of MM romance, because it, it has been debated a lot. And, you know, th- there are people on both sides of like, oh, well, it's demeaning to, to queer folk. It's, it's, uh, it's reductive. And I'm like... Yeah, it is, but like so is all romance. So is porn. And so no. is porn. Well, so is porn. So yeah. like it's fine. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm sure yeah. a lot of people will disagree with me on this one. But I think at the end of the day we should just all be okay with being horny for stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what it is. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I think too, like we've talked we've talked several times on here about how how to how to consume content that is problematic in some way, shape, or form and acknowledging mm. the problems with that content. Like, we know we know the RWA 
and you know, the publishing industry in general has some problems with who they decide to publish. Yes. Um, and so, or give awards to in the case of the RWA. Yes. And, may, and maybe this is influenced by that. Like the people who are getting published are going to be the same nice white ladies every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll, so just like, just, I guess take the personal responsibility upon yourself to educate yourself about what you're reading and why um, read diversely as much as you can enjoy what you want. Don't be weird about it. <laughs> and I'm going to put it out there. Do give FF a try. FF Please can be fun, do. too. Like, I'm not saying it's everybody's cup of tea, but, like, yeah, maybe just, just give it a shot. I'm going mm-hmm. to pitch that as a, as a thing. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like, I feel like um, a lot of, like, FF stuff, too, feels more, and I know we're not saying own voices anymore, but, like, mm. self-representative. Yes, and I think that's kind of an, another aspect that I didn't get into yet, but I did want to touch on um, with MM specifically. This was another thing that kind of in the history of MM, right? Everybody's aware that it's mainly women writing this. Mm-hmm. Um, the publishing industry, or the romance publishing industry is overwhelmingly written spe- by yes, women. Yes, very, very heavily women. And specifically, um, our friend Kate, who sent us this, did point out that paranormal romance specifically does lean... Uh, paranormal mm skews there are more uh gay writers of mm in some other sub genres like sports romance and stuff like that okay which also i think tracks because paranormal in general is also a very female dominated genre um so it Mm -hmm. kind of makes sense that that's you know where we're at there has also been several instances uh in the the MM community and kind of the more LGBTQ uh, writing community at large regarding how own voices doesn't work when you're talking about queer fiction because you don't fucking know. You can't Um, know. You can't know until someone someone's out tells you. Yeah. And it is not fair to expect writers to have to out themselves in order to write a book because you don't know Mm. what their situation is and you don't know if that would, uh, put them in a position that could be unsafe for them. Mm-hmm. I think this also applies too to like experiences people have. Like, yes, yes, yes. Trauma, especially. Yes. So, I mean, I, as a queer person, still find value in reading queer authors. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do not think, because a couple of the articles I was reading was like, oh, this is similar to cultural appropriation. And I want, I don't think it is because. You cannot, queer culture should not be kept behind uh, bars because it is fluid, right? Mm -hmm. Because someone who identifies one way one day might identify a different way the next day. And to not allow them access to certain experiences based on what you perceive their sexual identity or gender orientation to be um, is, could be damaging to them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do think there is possibly a problem with how female dominated the field is in general and how there mm-hmm. aren't as many men in general writing gay stories, gay romances. Um, and I hope that we like I think we're planning for our third book to read specifically something by a male author. Mm-hmm. But again, don't attack individual writers for writing M.M., because you don't know how they identify. And sometimes, I can, and there has been several instances of authors publicly, basically 
feeling forced to come out because yes of this situation um and how people react to to yeah uh, to infringing on queer territory which it's like you don't you don't know someone's situation so and i'm not mm-hmm. i'm i don't think most of the women writing mm are secretly trans or are secretly a gender or are secretly whatever but i think some of them probably are and uh everybody should shut the fuck up about individual mm-hmm. authors like, yes yes who knows who's using this space to explore something about themselves yes leave them be it's the same thing as if in D&D somebody wants to play a yes. gender or sexual orientation different to them, don't don't say shit about it because, like, you don't know what they're going you through. You don't know what they're going through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Beautiful. Anyway, those were my rants on MM. Yeah. Um, I guess moving on. Moving on to this book. This I book was fantastic. <laughs> Loved this one. Loved this one overall liked this book um mm-hmm. there's some it, problems for certain oh for sure um but i overall thought that it was very uh like entertaining and very mm-hmm. humorous and mm-hmm. um i liked the romance in it yes i i like the romance i love the paranormal elements mm-hmm. um i don't know just there's so much like you got like a little bit of sugar daddy stuff going on yeah. here a little bit of hurt comfort which you know is my thing it's m's jam for sure yes <laughs> <laughs> This was an absolute delight. I was so surprised by how much I liked this book. Um, I was a little bit jaded going in after mm-hmm. our first one. But this, mm, mm, good, wonderful. Just what you need. Like, this is not, I again, I understand. This is not high literature. Like, I'm not going to go around and be like, this. Is, everyone needs to read this book. I'm going to mm-hmm. recommend it to everybody. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> but for, if you're looking for your paranormal mm romance if this is your genre this is an excellent example of it and i really want to read a continuation of this series possibly with other characters definitely with poe and tommy despite <laughs> the silliness of their names <laughs> their names are so silly um yes um, i i agree i think that this was a delightful uh example of the genre um and i think surprise fairy tale retelling yeah which you know i love that yeah and i think it's also very much uh the first one we read by jordan castillo price uh was kind of one of the early examples of mm paranormal uh Mm -hmm, romance mm -hmm. and this is from 2021 i believe yes this Um, was earlier this year Mm -hmm. and i definitely think it shows in terms of like uh, uh kind of being more cognizant of the discourses around Mm -hmm. this sort of thing. Um, I, not to say that, you know, the first one was bad or anything like that, but um, I think that it it was aging a little bit. And in this specific genre where it is very much an emerging genre, um, Mm -hmm. although, you know, like fans will say, Oh, it's been around since the seventies, but it's like at the level that it it currently is at. Yes. It's very much an emerging genre. So like, I think it's interesting that we're kind of in this moment where we can see the development of it kind of in real time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome. So I kind of said, I would not recommend this to everybody, but very specific people. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think I would recommend this if you are either a paranormal romance fan in general and want to see if mm is your jam or like you said uh people who like mm already yes Mm -hmm. awesome what else have you been reading um so speaking of ff 
<laughs> I am currently reading um, a FF paranormal romance. <gasps> oh, yes, I know they're hard Give to find, but uh, it is called Better Off Red. It is by Rebecca Weatherspoon, who I've read some of her other uh, stuff. I believe it's the first, like her first novel. Is it red the color or red the verb? R-E-D, because it's about vampires. Um, (gasps) Yes, of course. It is called Better Off Red Vampire Sorority Sisters. It is about... I know, I know. (laughs) It is about a sorority that its entire purpose is to feed vampires, but like they're like chill vampires who don't want to kill humans. So it's like you get accepted to the sorority and just like everybody has huge orgies. Wow. (laughs) And also there's vampires and the main characters are like falling in love with the main vampire and it's great and I'm having so much fun. So cool. Okay. I'm about halfway through and unless it goes really off the rails, uh, I definitely think, again, if if you're like a fan of MM romance and you want to see if that sort of like transfers to other stuff, like maybe check that one out. That would be, you know, a cool, a cool thing to do, I think. Very cool. I started many things. (laughs) Yeah. Continued none. Perfect. Played Digimon Cypher Sleuth on my oh, Switch my for God. all of Thanksgiving break. <laughs> um, it is it's a delightful little game. Don't even. <laughs> I'm enjoying it immensely. That's all I want to say about it. I was very bad, though. Like, okay, so we, we went and saw The Eternals over the mm-hmm. Thanksgiving break. Yes. Uh, I went and, like, started reading The Eternals comics. And then mm-hmm. I was like, brain said no more. And I couldn't do it. Um, <laughs> I picked up Girls of Paper and Fire. Is that what it's called? Paper and Fury, Paper and Fire. Fire, I believe. Okay. Yes. I picked up Girls of Paper and Fire and I read a few pages like, this is going to be really good. And then my brain said, Mm-mm, not today. So I put it down. <laughs> so I do believe that one is FF as well. If I'm uh, not yes, mistaken. It is. So yeah, I was not very productive in mm. my reading, unfortunately. Um, Digimon are doing great though. Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been like a Digimon person, so I have literally no idea what I'm doing. I'm like, this one looks cute. Don't know anything about the affinities. I just when I'm guessing the whole game, I'm just guessing, but it's fun. We have always been a Pokemon family, so Same, the fact that yeah. you are bringing Digimon into this podcasting space is a little offensive to me and my people. You know, I distinctly remember. Yeah, I know. I you... definitely made you watch Digimon on vacation once. Yeah, and you were. I went to work. You guys are watching Digimon. I came home from work. You guys were still watching Digimon. <laughs> There's so many of them, and I don't understand, like, I'm I'm very bad at, like, the micromanaging in video. Mm. This is, like, so off topic. I'm very bad at the micromanaging aspect of video games where you have to, like, raise these stats specifically to get this extra cool Digimon or whatever. I'm like, mm, I'm just, I'm just going to do what's available, and the other stuff sounds too hard, so <laughs> I have no idea how I'm getting certain, certain people, but I have, like, a big sunflower-looking thing. And like a toy dinosaur. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some other ones. It's really, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Anyway, <laughs> that's all I got for you this week. Sorry, guys. <laughs> well, great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so now that we're like 20 something minutes in, I let's know. talk about this book. I'm going to have to cut so much of the ranting. And probably a lot of the summary, too. It's, it's so much going on in this tiny book. <laughs> this book was so short and so action packed. It was, I was kind of impressed. Yeah. I read it like, a week ago and can hardly remember what happened. Um, 
And so when I was like going back over my notes, I was like, surely this is the end of the book. I was like, oh no, there's like 10 more things that happened. This did have a very Lord of the Rings end where yes. um, like it ended three times. And I was like, mm-hmm. all right, wrap it up. But yeah, like, like I got stuff to do, but it's all, it was like 200 something pages. It's very yeah, short. It's weird how a couple it, hour read. Yeah. Not in like a, like it was dragging way. Just there were no. several places that could have been the ending. Like, yeah. I was like, what, what could possibly happen? Oh, that guy has to come back. Oh like, yeah. We got to kill that dude. Like, yeah. So, all right. Poe Dupin or Dupin. I don't Dupin. know. It's never. Dupin. Poe yeah, Dupin. It's, it's after the, the Edgar Allan Poe character who's like French, I think. That's right. It's the Sherlock, the great mm-hmm. detective guy. The okay, so Poe Dupin is a raven shifter in Baltimore, Maryland. Because, mm. you know, Baltimore, Edgar Allan Poe. You get it. You get it. You get it. You get the joke. <laughs> Both of Poe's parents have died, um, but his mom died after his dad so she like had remarried she remarried this gross guy named ethan who is now the alpha of this roost of ravens okay i know you said there's so much that happens in this no, book please, and we have a lot to cover this. but let's talk about this. let's talk about this <laughs> okay so number one the way in which the alpha alpha beta omega okay not alpha beta omega because that's a very that's specific a different trope but <laughs> The way in which the idea that shifters must have packs or roosts and must have alphas is so funny to me on so many levels. Because number one, wolves don't even do that in the real world, guys. Like, wolves don't do this thing that they're... they're, The whole idea of alphas is from this paper from, I think, like the 90s that this dude wrote based on, like, not domestic, but captured wolves in Uh a zoo that fought because they weren't in a family unit. And then, like, later he went out in the wild and was like, oh, this isn't how wolves actually behave. They were only doing that because they weren't in a family unit. They were in a cap- in captivity. And actually, wolves don't do this at all. Like, oh, there is no, there's no alpha. It's not like they fight for dominance. Like, this doesn't happen. So this is hysterical uh, that this has so seeped into our romance. It's, like, taken it's- as fact. I didn't even know that about yes. wolves. And then also... What the fuck is a raven alpha? Like, what are you talking about? It's That's the not... plumpest raven with the sleekest, shiniest of feathers. And they're even like at one point in this book, they're like, oh, yeah, we're different from alpha wolves because alpha wolves fight each other. No, they don't. Alpha wolves fight each other for, for dominance, dominance. And so yeah. you can get rid of a bad alpha that way. But we don't do that. We just have like. Because we're birds. We're birds, so we just follow the alpha of the roost, and, and I'm we like, give him our power. And so he's too. Even if we wanted to fight him, he's too powerful to fight. What is this based on? Like, I don't know. This- I, I <laughs> it was it was certainly like it was like basically the author needed a reason for Ethan or for Poe to not just kick Ethan's ass because Ethan was the grossest, weakest little man. Like there definitely is hierarchy in birds mm. but i don't as far as i know but the other birds don't grant them his power right right powers. and also ravenologists please get at me if i'm wrong on this they don't have like a pack leader that's not that's not a thing right like that's not a thing i imagine it would be more like a village elder like mm. they all like they seek his guidance but they don't need to defer to him that's how i imagine ravens um, and also they have little fancy hats and monocles. <laughs> yes. A hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> Are you even a bird if you don't? Um, 
Yeah, so so there's this whole thing with the Alpha. That's why that's why Ethan is still in charge. He is like a gambling addict and also just a plain idiot. So he ends up in situations where he owes powerful people money, namely the bad guy of this story, Briggs Bickley, who is a basilisk shifter. Okay, again, again, we have to get into this. Let's talk about the basilisk. This is wild. This is a wild thing to do. And I, I'm for it 100%. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But, like, because usually when you're like, oh, shifters, well, obviously wolves, that's the first one. And then we're going to yes. kind of branch out from panthers. Yep, that mm-hmm. makes sense. Okay. Eventually you get into the, you know, All the way down ones. to swans. All the, all the way to swans. Uh, <laughs> rat shifter, sure. The fact that this author, and I'm sure other authors have done this too, but the fact that this author took this big brain galaxy brain moment to be like, Yes, and also mythical creatures. I love it. I do too. <laughs> like, it's this, so good. Like, this opens up so many doors. Are there minotaurs? There must be unicorn shifters. Oh my please. god! Can you imagine? Okay, imagine. Imagine you are a family of shifters, and you're waiting to get your creature inheritance. You don't mm-hmm. know what it's going to be. Yes. Your your dad is like a zebra. Your mom is she can turn into a leopard and your siblings are all like various like woodland creatures and it's your 18th birthday and you're about to shift for the first time and you turn into a fucking unicorn. Imagine that you are a unicorn and in the the honored tradition of classical medieval unicorns, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you are absolutely repulsed by everyone who's not a virgin. <laughs> Imagine that romance novel really quick. Hold on. <laughs> It would be so problematic. Oh, my God. <laughs> if you were a unicorn shifter, would you ever be in your human form? I would not. Um, I mean, to get things. Uh, unicorns don't have thumbs. <laughs> this this is true. Okay. So for my, like, four-hour TikTok binge every day, I would be yeah, a human. Exactly. And then I would turn back into a unicorn and live the rest of the 20 hours of that day. <laughs> Uh, beautiful so anyway one day poe comes home and his stepdad is like i owe eighty thousand dollars to briggs bickley and it's due by monday and if i don't pay briggs is gonna take over the whole neighborhood and territory because it's all in my name so i will have to just give him all of these homes and businesses that the ravens own this is doubly bad because one the ravens will have nowhere to live or do business because briggs is not a good guy like he's this bad dude who will immediately fuck them all over does not care he's a basilisk what do ravens matter to him they are weak in the shifter verse um two this neighborhood belongs to another one of the paranormal leaders of baltimore they call them rogers i didn't really understand why they called them rogers i'm going to continue just call them paranormal leaders (laughs) they explained it in the author's note at the back i don't read that shit it's because of mr rogers because he owns the neighborhood Mm. Does he yeah. own it or does he just live there? Like, well, I don't I don't think she used the word own. She just Mr. said, oh, it's Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. <laughs> she, she She's saying Mr. Rogers is some sort of like. I don't know. This was, <laughs> There were a lot of really wild swings with the naming conventions in this Absolutely. book. What kind of shifter would Mr. Rogers be? <laughs> like it had to be like a river otter or something. Oh. Like, delightful creature. <laughs> Uh, anyway <laughs> i think i think river otters are a little i feel maybe a no because i was gonna say an owl but they're actually quite dumb mm. so because like the wisdom thing but oh. they're not very smart they're actually reality. not at all like the stereotype damn yeah weird mm. so 
Poe's like, where am I going to get $800,000? Also, he's a jewel thief. I forgot to mention, he's a jewel thief. Um, <laughs> the book actually opens with I, Poe, DuPont, and the greatest jewel thief of my generation. Bold statement. Um, <laughs> Immediately backtracks it. Yes. He's like, he has to s- maybe not my generation, but definitely these like six blocks. Or whatever. Yeah, definitely of the people I know in my immediate circle. <laughs> definitely of my 10 friends, none of whom are jewel thieves. Two of which are children. <laughs> uh, yeah. So he, he, he sells the jewels to keep the Raven flock afloat because Ethan loses all their money. Whatever. Okay. So Poe's like, okay, how am I going to get $800,000 in like two days? and his human friend Kennedy is like okay you need to go to Tommy Tatati to get the money back Tommy Tommy Tatani he's a hottie with a body this was also explained in the author's note uh-huh apparently another name for Rumpelstiltskin uh the story is Tom spoilers yeah yeah spoilers he's Rumpelstiltskin yeah uh I mean like that was obvious from when they got to the shop right and it's called rumpled still Rumpled still, skin, hair, and scalp. Okay. Again, the names you're trying. This is a thing with like fairy tale retellings, especially where people gotta shoehorn this stuff in. We gotta shoehorn the names. There is no natural way to be teased Rumpelstiltskin the name. Like it's like it's like every Cinderella retelling where they're like, "Hi, my name is Ella, but my friends all call me Cinders because I'm so hot." Like no, because I live in the fireplace. Just please, just, just modernize it. We don't yeah, need this. Yeah, we don't need. My, I'm Cindy. There you go. There Done. You go. Terrible I'm name, Cindy but Eleanor, but you can call me Cindy Ella. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Tommy Tatati is a demon that lives in Baltimore, and he's kind of a neutral party amongst all the other paranormal sects. So, like, we have like a coven. We got vampires. We got. Uh, the shifters and like mages and other shit. Anyway, he's like a Fairy neutral party. Is the fifth one. Yes, thank you. Um, and he kind of acts like as a, as an assassin for these like different paranormal leaders, I guess. And he'll make a deal with just about anyone, though the deals are not always super fair. Um, but it doesn't matter to Poe, as you will see. <laughs> <laughs> um, Poe said, "Okay, I don't have any options. I'll go. I'll go to do that. I'll go to see the Tommy." As we said, Tommy owns a hair salon called Rumpled Still Skin Hair and Scalp. At the end, it's like a huge reveal. It's like, oh, oh I, looked. I figured I it out. That's his real name. Uh, Which, again, it was much like the Jordan Castillo pricing where I was like, it was cute, but was it worth it? <laughs> you waited too long for that reveal. Um, Tommy is what Poe describes as a murder twink. Like he's kind many of like times. He's, many he's times. He's like really into it. Um, yeah, just like very, I guess, like slender, kind of slight in build. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful man. Poe's immediately attracted to him. So much so that he actually assumes Tommy is an incubus for most of this book. Or should I say gay wait male succubus or gay incubus incubus, right of course we learn these (laughs) are these are the terms this book makes the very bold claim that he is just a regular just a regular old incubus (laughs) anybody can be an incubus (laughs) Uh, poe presents this problem to tommy tommy is like why don't you just become an alpha or kill your stepdad and poe is like both yeah or both yeah poe is like i cannot because of the reasons i have said before also i am a good person um, and also, also, Ethan's children, who are my half-siblings, might be sad if their dad is dead. 
though there is no evidence for this at all in the book. They don't care about their dad at all. It's fine. <laughs> but that's it's Poe is like just an extremely good person in an annoying way almost. But there to count to to counterbalance the the murder twink, I suppose. I didn't feel like he was a good person. I felt more that he. I didn't. I he didn't feel like he had his morals, and he was yeah. stick with them. He is a jewel thief, the greatest of his generation. Right. So like, not like <laughs> he's not like a paragon of yeah. of all that is good and just in the world. But also like, he would sacrifice himself for his roost. <laughs> he's not even the alpha yet. I just felt like it was like really ham. Like this is gonna be Poe's 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 uh, personality is gonna be loyal, good. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess I can see that. But I mean, like, I think that it worked for me. I didn't find yeah. him too one note or anything. I guess is is what mm-hmm, I'm trying mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. come to his defense here. Um, no, like I, well, I did. I don't think he's like super annoying about it. But I just feel like it was like really hammered home. Like Poe is good. He cares. He loves. I feel like it was done in a, a show-not-tell way, though, mm-hmm. right? Like, where it was, like, because he's very self-deprecating and very, like, I'm free and I don't care about anything. And everyone's, and everyone's like, like, no, you're an idiot. Ask. You care about everything. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. You're so yeah. stupid. It's that, that whole, like, self-unaware mm-hmm. situation going on that makes it, I think, maybe that's what, like, irked me about him. Like, dude, please, just just embrace it <laughs> you're not some like troubled angsty teen that wears yes. your band t-shirts everywhere you're a sweet community organizer <laughs> yes <laughs> like even if you're before... into alternative fashion and that's awesome <laughs> like even before all this shit went down he's like i own the community center and make sure that everybody can come and, and do gym there on yep. the weekend yeah. like, <laughs> baby you're not edgy oh, you're like... not as edgy as you want to be i'm sorry uh, he makes he makes his deal with Tommy. Tommy will give Poe the $800,000 in exchange for Poe's sunglasses. And also the ability for Tommy's people to come use the community center in the Ravens neighborhood on Sundays, which is an absurd deal. Poe recognizes this fact. It's, it's an absurd deal. Very suspicious. But, like, you gonna look a gift horse in the mouth? No, he accepts the deal. Tommy says, come back tomorrow. Bring me some, like, bits and bobbles from your shop and I'll give you the $800,000 in exchange. Cool. Poe goes back to his neighborhood and Briggs Bickley is waiting for him there. Briggs basically, he just threatens Poe and is like, hey, I know you stole a jewel from me, which Poe did at the very beginning of the book. When he um, was discovered that he was the greatest jewel thief of yes. our generation. <laughs> Except for, I guess not because everyone knows you stole this jewel. Um, <laughs> And he's like, I want to offer you a job, um, both as a jewel thief, but mostly as my personal sex life, which gross. Yeah, this was a lot. Um, again, kind of like if this was a woman in this position, I probably, well, I don't know. I've maybe not because I've read books in which like threats of rape are used again, but I don't like them in romance. This, mm-hmm. this was a lot for me. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's the bad guy, so I guess it's okay. But, like, but it's, like, right out the door. Like, we yeah. didn't build up to this at all. He was just like, I was... want your body. I want control <laughs> over it entirely. And I'm going to bulldoze a neighborhood to get that. <laughs> Spoilers. Like, 
okay <laughs> was a little fast for me you know usually mm-hmm. you wait until like the third date or so before you start talking about <laughs> sex slavery you know yeah yeah <laughs> you couldn't just led with the you'll work for me for free or you'll work for me to pay off your debt and i feel like we would have we would have understood how sinister that what that was yeah it def- definitely but i also do i did like on the flip side when tommy was like oh my god he touched you i'm gonna kill yeah. him like the that's the good There's stuff also right that that yeah but then it's like mm, i still feel like it could have just maybe been implied yeah. i think that's the thing that this dude was just like you are going to come work for me as a sex slave and i'm like oh you said the quiet part out loud yeah like, <laughs> no subtlety at all with this one yeah <laughs> he's a basilisk he doesn't what need can that. you expect from a basilisk exactly you know? <laughs> Um, Poe obviously turns down this quote unquote job offer and Briggs is like, well, then the amount your stepdad owes me is now 900,000. And if you don't pay me by Monday, you will belong to me. That's not how anything works. (laughs) I'd like to see the contract, please. Uh, (laughs) Poe goes back to rumpled still the next day and gives Tommy this cheap costume jewelry. And Tommy's like, great, transforms it into a giant golden penis worth (laughs) $900,000. I know this is uh, beside the point, and we just brought up the golden penis, but I do want to circle back. Rumpled Still is also just a very bad name for a salon. Like, yeah, I don't want to still be rumpled. I don't want to look rumpled after visiting. Like, I get that bedhead is kind of sexy, but like, I don't want to have to pay for that. I guess. Is and I, I certainly don't want my skin to be rumpled. That's true. Skin is the very first word after that. Mm. Like I get that it needs to be for the joke to land, which it doesn't anyway. But like <laughs> my skin, I would like to be unrumpled. I would love for it just to be smooth as a baby's bottom for the rest of my life. Gorgeous, unrumpled skin. Unrumpled, unblemished skin. That's gonna Great. be when I write my MM. Unrumpled still. That's be how the- Leads hit on each other. I love your unrumpled skin. Mm. <laughs> Delicious unrumpled nails. He was a beautiful silver fox. His skin slightly rumpled. <laughs> uh, Poe and Ethan then go to pay Briggs at this VIP suite in his casino. Um, and Briggs is obviously upset that Poe was able to pay off Ethan's debt. Also, a little bit about like it's a it's a golden penis but whatever <laughs> like where do you where do you go to fence that like <laughs> and assumably like the book the book says that like this is not the first golden penis that mm. Briggs would have received to pay off debts like where is he keeping these <laughs> who is he going to that's like another golden dick I I no one's buying these man what the book doesn't say <laughs> is that the worth isn't in the amount of gold in it it's just from the orgasms it's just a yes. really great sex toy <laughs> absolutely <laughs> uh so Briggs is like, well, whatever. I'll get you one way or other, my pretty, you and your dog, too. And as Poe and Ethan are leaving, Briggs gives Ethan some comps to play at the casino, knowing Ethan is going to get in a lot of trouble. So Poe leaves. He's not able to do anything about his idiot stepdad. He has the power of the flock. Can't do shit. <laughs> uh, the next morning. Why did they say the flock? They called it the roost. Why did the they roost. call it the flock? The flock I don't know. would have been a better name. Yeah. Anyway. I guess because the alliteration, man. Oh, raven. Roost of ravens, yeah. Uh, maybe mm. a ravens are called a roost. 
Probably Maybe I'm are. the idiot. Mm-hmm. Both likely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next morning, Poe learns that while at Briggs's casino, guess what? Ethan killed one of Briggs's men, and now Briggs demands a blood sacrifice. Ah. Uh. We're all like, great, so he's going to kill Ethan? No. Instead of taking Ethan's life and releasing the ravens from Ethan's control, he's demanding the life of one of the half-siblings of Poe, Ethan's kids, and Poe has to choose who's going to die. It's fucked up. And this is just legal, apparently. <laughs> like, this is just legal. Like, Shifter law. <laughs> everybody's just like, yeah, yeah, this is this is how this works. This is and all I'm standard like, business. I don't know what you're talking is, about. This is really interesting, the turn that Baltimore's taken in this. <laughs> semi futuristic because also it was this was like not very clear but this was set in the future right because of the coffee thing like oh i don't know well they kept bringing up like oh coffee used to be like affordable and now there's synthetic coffee and coffee costs oh, like hundreds shit. of dollars i didn't pick that up on that at all i was like yeah groceries are getting expensive man <laughs> <laughs> they kept talking about coffee and maybe this is just a parallel universe way where somehow if there's magic in the universe also coffee is expensive but it read as like a sci-fi <laughs> thing to me of it like a little this dystopian is, this like, is the distant future where coffee is synthetic and also only very synthetic expensive foods now nothing yeah fresh. i was like what's up <laughs> So, again, Poe's human friend Kennedy is like, you can't solve this by yourself, Poe. You need to go see Tommy. Tommy's going to help, and he's really hot, don't you think? Poe's convinced. He goes to seek out Tommy for another deal. Tommy says, I will help you save your half-siblings' lives, but in exchange, you need to go with me into another one of the leader's territories to retrieve a necklace, not as a thief or a bodyguard, just like as company. You can look out if you want. doesn't matter to me. Just come with me. I want you here with me. Also, 51% stake in your business. I didn't mention yet. Poe owns an antique shop along with the community center. That's what Rumpelstiltskin wants 51% stake in. It's called Spun Gold. Do you get it? Do you get it? Do you get it? Do you get it yet? Do you get it? (laughs) Poe agrees, obviously. Again, sensing Tommy is giving him a hell of a deal. Um, Tommy does, like, say, though, like, these deals are going to get more pricey for you as they go on. Poe doesn't care. He's willing to pay whatever the cost to save his siblings. So, that night, the two of them head to this other neighborhood to get the necklace. Basically, okay, this whole scenario is basically just a trap to try and kill Tommy or for another coven to, like, win power or something. Doesn't matter. Tommy expected the trap. Poe is there. They're able to, like win it's fine <laughs> some some witches and mages die a vampire too yeah but they tried to kill tommy first so you know fair's fair they get the necklace hooray that's baltimore baby <laughs> also in this scene poe makes friends with an actual flock of actual ravens and it is delightful like <laughs> the ravens are all like this very like um formal pompous sort of air to them and poe poe is like i will give you i if you join me fellow birds i will leave you shinies in my store window and you can just have them please fight with me i want more books where shifters team up with the animal like equivalent of them it's amazing (laughs) tommy and poe escape the neighborhood in tommy's limo and then they fuck in the back seat nice Yes. Um, back at Poe's house, Tommy gets out of the limo. He talks to the half-siblings, Lucy and Jamie. 
I'll give them names now. They deserve that. How kind of you. <laughs> <laughs> kind and benevolent podcast I host. I am. <laughs> Just want our listeners to have as much information as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also some hints here that Poe's human friend, Kennedy, is trying to play matchmaker between Tommy and Poe. Um, but, like, we don't get a ton of information about, one, how Kennedy knows Tommy. Um, other, Kennedy is super rich. She's kind of, like, pretending to slum it down here with Poe in the Raven neighborhood, working for him. She doesn't need to work. Um, so, maybe that she runs in the same social circles as Tommy. I don't know. Don't Unclear doesn't give us what Kennedy's deal is. I don't know either. Like, I'm expecting her to secretly be something paranormal. She just hasn't said, but... I think it's not that she's paranormal. I think she's probably like a vampire hunter or like monster hunter or the equivalent. Because like that's what Tommy, spoiler again, Tommy basically is allowed to make these deals by the head of like the uh, supernatural whatever because it like gets shitty people off the board basically. Yes. So I feel like Kennedy is that too, but like a human who like does hits because she has a gun all sense. the time she has a with gun silver bullets filled with silver bullets yes. so like sus. come on mm-hmm. sus <laughs> um again this is the first book of the series but none of the rest of the series has come out yet so who knows mm. who knows um we also don't know why she thinks the two of them would be good together so i mean we get the chemistry in the book like they obviously do work together but i would just i would just want to know kennedy just want to know anyway talking to the twins Tommy tells Poe that to satisfy the blood sacrifice, Poe has to place all of his trust in Tommy. Pick Lucy as the sibling to go. She's the braver of the two. She's got to be the one to be chosen as the blood sacrifice. He must then ask Briggs if the blood debt has been settled. And this is the most important part. If he doesn't, terrible things will happen. Then he kisses Poe and disappears into the limo. And everyone's like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> The next day, Briggs shows up. Poe gives him Lucy to settle the blood debt. Um, Briggs uses his basilisk eyes, and he turns Lucy into stone. And Poe's like, okay, we good? Briggs is like, yeah, we are. Hope that hurt. And then Lucy becomes unstone. Because apparently the necklace that Poe and Tommy went to go get is like a basilisk protection necklace. Anti-basilisk necklace. Yeah, I don't know how Briggs lets that just exist, but he does. (laughs) I mean... Yeah, so Tommy had given Lucy that necklace when he was, like, talking to her and Jamie. Um, Very cool. No one wanted to tell Poe about the plan because Poe's terrible at lying. (laughs) Yeah. And also, this is, I believe, this whole scene takes place in front of, like, the entire roost. The entire. And everyone's like, wow, Ethan really sucks as a dad. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Not good, that guy. And the, and the whole roost is, like, silently supporting Poe, and everyone realizes it except Poe, who's like, oh, my God, no one's ever going to trust me to be an alpha. Am I good enough? I don't know. Boo-hoo. <laughs> like, yes, baby, you are. You're so good. Um, Such a sweet, sweet fledgling. <laughs> fly. Fly, my fledgling. <laughs> and Briggs is, like, about to start some shit, but Tommy rolls up, and he's like, this boy is mine. Fuck off. And Briggs runs away. Cool. The day after that, Poe brings flowers to Tommy, thank him for all of his help, and they fuck again. And then after they're cleaning up and stuff, Tommy, he's like, starts acting coldly towards Poe in an obvious attempt. He's, like, trying to scare him away because Tommy knows that, like, with the third deal, it's, they're gonna, there's gonna be, like, really high stakes for a third deal. And he doesn't want 
Poe to come back and make a third deal with him. And he also doesn't think Poe wants to be in a relationship because Poe's like, I'm a free bird. I love my freedom. No one can tie me down. So blah, 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 blah. And Tommy is like, I am a demon. And so I have to do bargains because that's how demons work. Yes. And they have to be like bargains that are bargains. Like I can't just like keep giving you softballs. Yes. Yeah. So a couple weeks pass, and the next thing that happens is that Ethan announces that Briggs has made him a lieutenant in exchange, and in exchange, Ethan has given Briggs all the Raven territory, basically leaving all of the roost homeless and jobless. Yay! Yep. <laughs> um, and he's like, Poe, you need to sell the community center and the antique store to Briggs. Poe's like, no, this is mine. Fuck off. It's like some, like, his grandma, his grandma, his grandma wasn't a crow. It's whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ethan beats the absolute shit out of Poe. Um, and the only reason he stops is because one of, like, the Raven betas is like, no, Alpha, don't. And also Kennedy, who has her gun. <laughs> <laughs> Probably more important. <laughs> no, it was definitely the timid beta who was like, Alpha, no, this seems like a bad idea. Alpha, do not I do can, that. I know you can draw power from me in order to beat on your son, but maybe don't. I wish I was weaker, Alpha, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to punch my own muscles until they stop giving you power. <laughs> Bad muscles. No. Stop that. <laughs> Turn into a Dobby. Poe <laughs> uh, is grievously injured, um, but they have like they're shifters, so they have advanced healing capabilities, as all shifters seem to do. Um, but like these injuries are too vast, too too numerous. He's got to go to his hot demon boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Despite being almost entirely broken. <laughs> Poe's like, like, gotta see Tommy. Look how hurt I am, Daddy. <laughs> Daddy, please, I need you to nurse me back to health. Um, Poe passes out while at Tommy's, and Tommy heals him with his special demon magic. And he wakes up six hours later, and he's like, Tommy, this is everything that happened. And Tommy's like, I can't make this deal with you, man. I can't, because I, you're not going to like the terms. But he's like, okay, this is what the deal would be if we were to make a deal. I could give your roost somewhere to live, but you would belong to me in a way that Briggs wants you to belong to him. But I'll treat you nicer because I'm not an evil asshole, but you will lose your freedom. There's some back and forth. Like Poe's like, that sounds awful. And Tommy's like, yeah, I know. And then they fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Poe's like, I'm a free bird. Can't belong to anyone. Got to come up with another plan. So Poe's like, okay. Or no, Tommy's like, okay, what if we declare you as an alpha of a brand new roost and anyone from your old roost can join you if they want and you can all live together in your community center until we figure out a better living situation for them poe's like you think they're gonna want to do that yes poe even if you weren't the most special beautiful boy they have literally no other options zero options no one else is stepping up they do not have houses They do not have houses, and everyone in Baltimore is incredibly territorial. Like, yes. I don't know what you think is going to happen. They will have nowhere else to live. So cool. Problem solved, right? Except when Poe gets home from Tommy's, he finds his community center and antique shop have been set on fire, raised to the ground. Also, no. one of his young employees named Ollie was purposely set on fire and left in the building to die. Uh, but Poe goes in and saves him. And and they take him to the hospital. 
Um, they go there. Tommy shows up. He's like, oh, my God, Poe, I thought you were the one that was hurt. And he's like, no, it's my employee who I really love. And, you know, I just I just wish there's some way to make him better because I don't know if he's going to make it through the night. And Tommy's like, oh, fine, fuck, fine, fine. I will do it for your magical dick. He pumps all of his <laughs> demon magic into Ollie to heal him. Uh, and Ollie makes a full recovery physically. <laughs> There's still some trauma. He's still, work still upset about being set on fire. Understandably, understandably so. I would say. Yeah. So Tommy's super weak, can hardly even stand by himself. Poe takes him back to his house, to Tommy's house, because Poe's house is burned down to the ground. But he goes back to Tommy's <laughs> as you house. recall from five yes, minutes yes. ago. <laughs> uh, Poe stays the night. He nurses Tommy. They fuck mm, again yes. the next morning once Tommy's healed. <laughs> then. Tommy says, hey, uh, I think I think we're at that point. I can offer the roost a home in my territory, but you would you would not be free anymore. You would you would be one of my people. You would belong to me. And even if everybody else leaves, because Poe's yeah. like, they could be in my roost, but I wouldn't demand that they stay and I'd release them if they want to be released, unlike Ethan, who's a dick. Yeah. Um, and Tommy's like, even if you, all of them left, you would still have to be. Like, yeah, yeah. They could all do their own thing. I'm not a monster, though. I wouldn't force them to to stay. So Tommy's like, or no, Poe's like, I got to think about it. And he goes home. He's just got to stop going home. Every time he goes home, something terrible happens. Just stay at Tommy's, dude. (laughs) Poe goes home. Briggs's people are now bulldozing the entire Raven territory. And Poe's like, this isn't legal. You're supposed to wait 30 days after purchasing something to tear it down. And... Briggs is like, you want to fight this? Like, it's we're going to be done in less than the time it takes you to go and file a complaint. So Poe calls up Tommy. And he's like, all right, I accept your deal. Tommy, like, shows up with a bunch of moving vans full of all kinds of paranormal creatures that are ready to throw down. And they're, like, ready to beat the shot <laughs> Briggs' men. Um, this all happened within, like, 20 minutes. <laughs> he, Tommy gets off the phone. He's like, all right, we're going, guys. I'm so Scramble glad we had this prepped. We've had this prepped all week. Yes, let's go. <laughs> and all of his followers are like, yay, we're going to get our boss laid. Yay. <laughs> uh they do that there's like a little bit of a tussle but essentially like tommy has some sort of like magical item that makes guns broke so yay what a good item (laughs) so convenient um they put all the ravens possessions in the trucks drive into these new apartments that are super nice everyone loves them the ravens all swear their fealty to poe as their new alpha or whatever very cool poe was like oh my god this is so emotional like i cannot believe that ethan did not appreciate this what the roost does and yada 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 i have such a magical connection with my roost he's like i'm a man so i'm not crying but i do feel like i'm crying crying. (laughs) (laughs) um and then anyway we have like a soft third act breakup here like it's not like there's no big fallout or anything it's just poe Poe loves his freedom. He loves his freedom so much. And Tommy knows this because one of Tommy's demon powers is he can like sense people's desires. So Tommy doesn't reach out to Poe because he's like, I need, Poe needs some time to adjust to this to like kind of understand where we are right now. I'm just, I'm just going to let him be. He clearly doesn't want to have anything to do with me. Poe doesn't reach out to Tommy because he's feeling really weird about the new power dynamic. He's like, even if I would pursue a relationship with him, it's like, not a real no, relationship I, because it's I forced. cannot. I cannot yeah. be in a relationship with him. Because he's like my boss or whatever now or whatever. Um, which 
That's valid. fair. It's yeah. fair to take a break and explore this. I this was not an annoying third act breakup. I didn't think. Um, I mostly enjoyed it because there was no like miscommunication or fight or anything. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of like they both ghosted for a little while. I mean, there was a little bit of miscommunication in that like both of them were like secretly in love with the other, but yeah, didn't yeah, think but... the other was in love with them. But that's like you know typical romance standard. Yeah, yeah. Every, nobody can be aware of the other one's feelings. Of course not. Um. But eventually Tommy gets in touch with Poe and is like, hey, uh, this is Tommy talking to you as your boss, for lack of a better word. Um, hey, I need you and Ollie, who was set on fire, to come give your statements at this, like, hearing or whatever that these paranormal leaders are having. We got to go to this, like, war monument and there's a secret, like, magic fey shifter section. I don't know. I don't fucking know. There are a lot of bits in this part of the book specifically that were like get it because boston and i was like i'm not from there yeah no i'm from the midwest i'm sorry i don't i don't know <laughs> i don't know what this thing is that they're like it oh sounds it's just important like the, it's like it's like this layout of like a star shape and that's like how the room is and i'm like i'm sure that's very cool if i was aware with this uh, if i was like aware of this particular h- historical monument mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. i'm not so it's not like <laughs> But that's I'm sure fine. It was cool for someone out there. It yeah. just wasn't me. <laughs> it was like that book we read that was set in like I think Massachusetts, where it was like, oh, frappes. Yeah. And we were both like, what the what fuck the are they fuck talking about? Talking I'm sure that was cool for someone from that area. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Tommy shows up at Poe's apartment to pick him up, and they like almost immediately start making out and doing some heavy petting. Like, there's no conversation. They just they just right so into it. They're so horny. Yeah, but then they have to stop because they have to go to this hearing thing. And Ollie is, like, knocking on the door. He's like, please, can I come in? Hey, guys, I'm ready to go to talk about being burned up. Yeah, I'm really still struggling with all of this. Don't want to relive it. Don't have an option. (laughs) Everything's coming up, Ollie. (laughs) Uh, So, okay, the summary is already getting super long. So, basically, what I'll say about this hearing. Um all these paranormal leaders they get together in their super secret location to talk about the whole Briggs situation um so like there's a couple pieces to this like one Briggs intruding on another Rogers's territory um and then like if if this was like the what happened to the Ravens if that was justified like what should happen to them and then also Tommy brings up he's like I own 51 percent of the business that you burned to the ground so you know what? I'm going to take my retribution here. And he just attacks Briggs. Well, so he's like, you beefed my... Basically, it's like, if Briggs says that the territory is his because he bought it, then Tommy would also own that as his territory. Yeah, yeah. But if he's saying it's not his territory, then Josephine, the other Roger, would have a right to be like, fuck you and get payment from him mm-hmm. um just silly political stuff <laughs> i feel like briggs is actually the one who like kicks it off isn't he i don't know i don't know <laughs> really but it turns so into a big it turns it into turned, a big monster mash yeah it's a big fight apparently people have been taking sides behind the, the scenes like briggs has promised like certain people in the coven like oh we can go have these on a casino if you want and like other i think some people probably just want to fight like they're just here for a fight other people are secretly on tommy's side bunch of, like it's terrible people die whatever we they didn't have names so i guess it doesn't really matter big fight briggs is a huge asshole tommy gets to kill him for it he like goes all demony and stuff it's cool 
Um, there's also like this nonsense about a banishment cube. Not super important. But basically, it's this cube that has Tommy's real name, Rumpelstiltskin, on it. And if someone uses it or like touches Tommy with it or something, he will go back to whatever plane of existence he's from or hell yeah whatever (laughs) um and tommy's like poe you should hold on to that so that way like this makes our relationship more even like you have something over me i have something over you but poe's like nah bitch and he stomps on the cube breaking it um because he loves tommy this was like the last of the banishment cubes tommy's like i thought i'd got rid of all of them but now he has true love um then pa- Tommy and Poe have to do a sex ritual so that they are bonded forever and Poe's lifespan will now match Tommy's. Yay. Convenient. Happy ending. Yeah, Very super convenient. convenient. Um, we'll say, anatomically, Tommy has barbs on his dick. Yep. Didn't love kind of like this part. If you're familiar with ABO, like, nodding, but it's barbs. So. And they hurt Poe. Like, they, <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure that is appealing to some people. Just leave it at that. Hey, all you monster fuckers out there, it's fine. (laughs) Um, The book's not over because Ethan shows up again. So, like, a week later, Poe's standing on a rooftop. I think he's, like, meeting Kennedy for brunch or something. He's standing up on a rooftop, and Ethan's like, I'm here. I'm blackmailing you. Give me $100,000 or I'm going to shoot you or something. (laughs) was it he's gonna shoot him oh yeah because he has no more powers yes 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 yes. he was gonna shoot him unless he called tommy he's like gonna kidnap him i think was the like he was gonna ransom him to tommy yeah some scheme to get a small amount of money from poe well small considering he how much he owes not a hundred thousand dollars is a ton of money um (laughs) (laughs) i don't even know what i would do with a hundred thousand dollars wipe my ass with yeah yeah, such a small amount i would just light it on fire because honestly i have so much money i had nowhere to put it god i would just weave it into a basket for my larger bills (laughs) (laughs) imagine having money oh god Uh (laughs) (laughs) dream honestly dream um Something happens. Ethan, like, turns into a rage. I think because, like, Poe's, like, Poe's, like, I have the roost on my side. He starts, like, punching Ethan. Ethan's, like, no. And he turns into a raven and, like, goes flying off the roof. And then Kennedy's, like, bitch, I'm here. And she shoots him with a silver bullet while he's flying around as a raven. And then he falls to the ground and dies. Because silver bullets turn you into your human form in this version of Shifter. So he splats on the ground as a human. He splats on the ground as a human. Oh, it's such a good supervillain death. I yeah, I love that for him. I was like, yes, pancake, <laughs> love it. They tell the kids, oh, it was a suicide. <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah, they, they. And the kids are like, tight. <laughs> Don't like, have to right, deal with our whatever. shitty dad anymore. I'm sure this won't come up in therapy at we all. We have two new dads now, <laughs> <laughs> and they're gonna live forever. <laughs> everything's coming up us <laughs> yay lucy and jamie <laughs> that's the end of this book i really enjoyed it there it's was so ride. many like it's just so fast-paced so many things happening so so many wild things it was so good <laughs> it was a fun ride uh what looking forward would you like to see in future mm paranormal romances okay so we had we had ghosts Mm-hmm. We had shifters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we need vampires if possible. Vampires or like a warlocky situation, you know? Mm. 
Mm-hmm. I agree. I think vampires would be one to look for just because they are a classic. Yes, yes. Your gateway paranormal. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I, as mentioned, um, we're definitely going to need to read a yes. male author for mm-hmm. the last book because I feel like we should. <laughs> read diversely. Which is weird. To be like, we need to read We need to a find man. a man who's written we a book. We need to find a man. Do men write books? <laughs> Especially write? speculative fiction? Impossible. I've not heard of this. This is, no. <laughs> You're right. That does feel weird. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we will be looking for that. If you've got any suggestions, feel free to send them our way. Before we get to that, though, we got to tell you guys what's up next. What's up next? What is up next? Hold on, let me pull up my calendar. I think I know. Oh my gosh. I'm pretty sure I no. know what's up next. No. <laughs> no. 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 It's December, guys. It's guys, December. it's December. <laughs> uh so no. next no next week. If we'll I don't back. if I don't let you say it, it won't come true. Well, let me say this first. We'll be back with Animorphs number fifty two, the sacrifice. Oh, that's true, because we already recorded that. And then <laughs> Sir, I'm gonna buy these shoes. <laughs> For my mama, please. But imagine, in my mind, it's like this eerie, like, minor key, you know, like, haunting tune. I want to buy these Yes, and it's a little kid whispering it, and, like, the shots that you're seeing are this empty, derelict house. It's Christmas Eve, and, sir, these shoes are just her size. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna be back with the Christmas Hope Christmas Shoes number three oh by Donna Van Leer. I already want to die. A Christmas tradition. How long is it? Please tell it me it's like is three pages. Six hundred pages. Shut up. I yeah, quit. I don't know. I'm pulling up the info. <laughs> Hold on. It is 229 pages. Oh God, that's too many. I'm sick that day. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm calling in sick. <laughs> Patricia and Mark Addison have long given up the hope of having a meaningful Christmas. But this year, Patricia's job as a social worker will lead her to a very special five-year-old. No. So wait, are we are we divorcing ourselves from Christmas Shoes Boy? I truly cannot remember if Patricia and Mark Addison were characters in either of I can't the remember other either. Books. And I don't want to remember is the thing with me personally. I'm sure at some point someone will come in and be like i remember when i was a young man i remember when when that girl i loved died in that last book is tragic i have great news for you though this book apparently begins with a martin luther king jr quote so i'm sure we're in for a wild ride oh my god oh god i apologize already for having to read this book i just i don't know in what way i will have a copy of it but it's (laughs) already feels bad in the meantime um if you have any books you would like us to cover for the podcast either because you think we would love them or hate them you can tweet at us at shelf or email us shelf at gmail.com as always thank you to ben co for the use of our theme song you can check out his youtube channel in our show notes below and we are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms so if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those you definitely should don't want you to miss out on our great christmas tradition that we do every year God, how many books are in that series? Like a thousand? A hundred. Oh yeah. God. No, it's it's like a high number. It's like 20. <laughs> it's a lot. So, you know, tune in every year at this time. Um, 
if you use Apple Podcasts, we'd very much appreciate a five-star review. But if you don't, that's all right, because you are allowed to talk about us anywhere on the internet you would like, including on Twitter. Oh my gosh, I just have to say, we have received like a few tweets from our listeners where we're showing up on Spotify on raps, and oh my god, that is so sweet. I am so like, precious. I'm like in awe anyway <laughs> so thank you for sharing those with us that really made my day um that's it that's all i got let's let's do a quote in the words of megan maslow you're perfect for me birdie i knew it the first moment i saw you you smelled of kennedy's perfume and i hated it it's the reason i chose to shave you <laughs> I- <laughs> I'm just leave it there. <laughs> it looks wild. <laughs> I think I only like Pokemon because my brothers like Pokemon. I think That's if I sweet. were to follow my heart, I would be a Digimon girl. Let's it's be, my let's be Digimon fans together. Let's say <laughs> fuck the boring Pokemon stands. Let's <laughs> let's follow our hearts. <laughs>